1: I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire.
2: If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme.
1: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio.
5: Hey, hey, what is happening, y'all? What's good, y'all? my people? My name is, my name is Dope Knife.
4: I'm Ingo Franca.
5: And we are waiting on reparations. And
4: waiting on some cover test results, because that'll marry on us, no joke, man.
5: Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we were just talking before we uh, started recording. Wait, so, do you think you might got the Rona?
4: I might, I might So baby was having a fever of like 102 on Saturday Took him to the hospital They just gave him Tylenol So that's gonna be fucking fun to pay a $500 emergency room bill for Tylenol But Tylenol uh, You know, got him tested for the Rona Just in case And we're still waiting to get those results back But since then I have also started to not feel very well So um, We is will see it, uh,
5: Is it comparable to a uh the first time that you got it the
4: first time i got it i was asymptomatic i other than i think what ended up actually being a panic attack but to me registered as chest pains at the time Mm. other than that was totally fine um and i and and i also you know throughout pregnancy etc have been sick multiple times this year that weren't covid like you know got tested everything was fine so i might just have a compromised immune system from stress and other factors and so maybe it's not that but um Given the explosion in cases that we have seen in the last two weeks, I think over a million cases um, reported on one of one day of this last week might have been yesterday. I wouldn't be shocked. It feels like every single person, like I've had multiple, well, like potential exposures, like over the last two weeks. Well, I
5: mean, oh, uh, I mean, we have we both have a mutual friend of the show who right now is suffering from it, and I mean, just. I mean i guess it's all anecdotal but it's like you know when the initial pandemic hit it's like there was definitely people who i knew who were affected by it and then when delta hit it's like okay more people that i know are affected by it and now with the with the new amarion strain oh shit like everybody who i everybody who i know has got covid like every like things in savannah are starting to shut down again you know i mean everybody's canceling parties and live events and stuff that they had going on so um yeah no it definitely is no joke but since you are not feeling well shit let's fucking let's let's keep it moving right let's Let's keep it moving we got
4: lots of cheery uh other cheery topics to discuss this week Particularly, this is...
5: Speaking of which, happy Insurrection Day, everybody. uh, Yeah,
4: the anniversary, yes. So we generally record on, like, early in the week, so I don't even think we got the chance. Other than, I think, last year we had an episode the week after the insurrection, the attempted coup, to, um, we talked a little bit about the rise of right-wing fascism, but this is our first time to really, like, you know, reflect deeply on... The other incarnations of fascism in in the United States, particularly as they have bloomed over the last year in the aftermath of the insurrection, and we're actually speaking—you're speaking with somebody today who is an expert on on right wing extremism and anti and you know anti fascist organizing, from what I understand.
5: Yeah, we're going to be talking with uh, Christopher Goldsmith today, and um, he's a really cool guy, really interesting cat. He's a ex army vet. And when he got out, he started working with doing veterans work and noticing that, uh, you know, some of his, his brothers in arms were kind of susceptible to, you know, recruitment by right wing extremist groups. And that uh, started the work that he started doing, infiltrating some of those organizations, uh, reporting them, actually actively uh, sabotaging their plans and movements and stuff like that. So we're going to be chatting with him. Uh, just about his thoughts on you know the year after January 6th, some of the things that uh, right-wing extremist groups have been up to, and just where he thinks uh, things are heading. So that's going to be a really dope conversation. But before we get into that, we're just going to recap some of our thoughts on January 6th and talk about some of those same things. Uh, we will be back with that after the jump.
0: And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
1: My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
5: podcasts. All right, we are back. So, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody who's listened to the show who's been under a rock, most people know what the events of January 6, 2021 you know, were but if you don't know like the full details of stuff, or even if you want to like get like a full sense of the picture, a uh, full scale of what 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 them, I suggest that everybody check out the Southern Poverty Law Center. They have a extremely dope timeline of all of the events, and I mean, I'm talking about dating back before George Floyd's murder. But they they kind of go through the rundown of all of of the entire year to show you all of the little events nationwide that were leading up to what eventually took place on january 6th but just to kick it off for you i'm going to read this little uh opening of how they open up that timeline so on january 6 2021 a right-wing mob stormed the u.s capitol at the urging of president John- donald j trump in an attempt to prevent the certification of the presidential election results but the attack didn't come from nowhere it was the culmination of a year of increasingly radical activity by a slew of extremists around the country. They mobilized against racial justice, COVID-19 prevention measures, and voting rights for all Americans, and they were goaded on by the president and other po- politicians on the right. So, so I mean, Oh,
4: sorry. I didn't... Yeah, yeah, going yeah. Forward. So, similar to the aftermath of the George Floyd murder, there was almost universal competition... Co- there was almost universal condemnation of the riot, but just like with Floyd, it only took a few weeks before Republican politicians began to rationalize and justify it. Um, as a congressional investigation into the event wraps up now, more and more evidence has come out about the direct involvement of Trump, his staff and administration as well as various right-wing media figures. You know, there's text messages that came out between uh, talking heads at Fox News and Trump's children trying to dissuade Trump from egging on the rioters um, that were, you know, ultimately um, ignored, etc. Um,
5: They've been finding like uh, all sorts of hidden memos and drafts and PowerPoint presentations to show exactly like how like I mean the, the main thing is is like in real time, like experiencing it it seemed ridiculous. You know, and it seemed like he hee ha, ha other oh, so are losers or oh, this is funny, or oh, they're being ridiculous. But in the you know, the time sense it's like we found out how calculated and deliberate this entire thing was. And and not only that, but also how much uh, most of these, not even most How much all of these right-wing politicians Did not believe a word of what they were saying Like none of them believe that the that Donald Trump really won the election None of them believe it, but they're saying it anyway So a lot of that stuff has been exposed And is coming out And I mean, one way or another This committee is going to end Because, you know, the Republicans Are most likely going to win back the House and when they do, they're probably gonna shut this shit down the next day if it's still going on. So And this was,
4: is in part good. why I, you know, in my life of elected service, whatever, um, am very resistant to the like the committeeization of everything of like, oh let's assign that to a committee. Let's have a committee investigate that, you know, study for reparations, oh let's assign that to a committee. You know, January sixth, let's have a committee look into that. Cause it's just where they send stuff to die, like that. A year later, like none of the folks that were encouraging this insurrection have been expelled from Congress, or even censured in a major way. None of them have, to my understanding, been stripped of their committees or anything like that. Uh, let alone any sort of legal action taken against them for you know, treason, etc. Um. Oh, we just assigned it to committee. And yes, yes, we've you know d- discovered a lot of harrowing details about it through the course of this investigation. But like you said, Republicans probably gonna take back the house. Nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen. It's shocking to the to degree to which Republicans have continued to push the big lie. You know, in Cobb County this week, there is a in the Re- Cobb County Republican Party is hosting like a, a vigil for the J Six Patriots that you know are being persecuted etc etc um like folks have just become ever more emboldened since then because nothing there were really no consequences for none
5: i mean you give a motherfucker an inch they're gonna take a, a mile or a yard or whatever the saying is but i mean it really is like that there paul gosar is still still there He's still, he's still going to white supremacist rallies And then going to the, the, the house Like you know what I'm saying He's, go, he's still going back and forth Like it, it's I don't think that I don't know I, I don't think that I don't think that it's sunk in How like The madness of that situation I don't think it's really stuck to landing as much as you know lives in mainstream media they they report on it ad nausea so it's not like it's not being reporting but for whatever reason from like a public standpoint that shit didn't stick the way that it did and, you know again speaking in, in cliches but it's like obviously if that was like a black lives matter protest if that was a bunch of muslim people if that like we you know you can go down the list of like what group? What demographic that that group could have been made of that would make us still be talking about it today, like it was the traumatizing national traumatizing event that it was. You know what I'm saying? But it's like whenever right wingers do shit, shit doesn't. I don't know why, but well, shit just doesn't seem to stick because like it seems like.
4: I think this is emblematic of like America writ large in that, you know. Oftentimes, the folks pulling the strings and inciting the terror get away, or, you know, just for, you know, who are complicit in the crimes but are, like, bigwigs of some fashion get away with shit. And then the foot soldiers are the ones that get popped. Because there have been some pretty serious consequences for a number of the people who physically stormed the Capitol, even if there haven't been for the folks that whooped them into a frenzy, just like how, during the housing crisis of 2008 you best believe the folks the men that were beating their wives because they were losing their houses and the folks that were turned into prostitution or whatever because they lost their jobs and the kids that you know started selling weed because their parents uh, whole college fund for them got you know disappeared overnight you best believe all those people went to jail you best believe all those people went to jail but the wall street motherfuckers did not yeah because the people at the top skate by and they're totally fine no matter what sorts of calamities they engineer. it's the people that are doing the footwork that are the, that is the result of that engineered calamity that are the people that go to jail.
5: <laughs> I mean I agree i like you're 100 percent correct, but I mean still there's a there's a still there's a disparity though it's like I think that like if I hear, somebody who was you know participated in the gen six thing oh this person got two years or oh this person got like five years or something like that to me that sounds like wow that's like serious consequences but i'm i'm saying that as like somebody who generally just generally is a you know a rule of principle doesn't really like want motherfuckers going to jail like that you know what i mean but we damn sure know that they would be handing out five and ten year sentences like Skittles if this was a Black Lives Matter protest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like none, none of that would matter. And and the thing is, the thing that kills me about, like, people on the left is, like, like we're using all of these, like, qualifiers as to why we shouldn't look down on this situation or why, you know what I mean? We shouldn't have as big of a hysteria as like mainstream media or like mainstream establishment democrats are having on it we shouldn't be that freaked out about the situation because oh man they're just gonna if if we if they crack down on this then think about when they're in power they're gonna crack down on left-wing activism and less left-wing protests and stuff like that and it's like what what planet are motherfuckers living on? They're gonna do that anyway. And well, they've they been doing
4: that. Do. That is why. Yeah, that's like, why like, the police exist.
5: <laughs> yeah, like th- there's there's no there's no like reality that's gonna happen where we go through another period of there being like you know heavy protests on the left. The, our heavy protest is coming from the left. There's no no world where we're gonna be in that situation and. Republicans or conservatives in charge are going to say, Man, you know what? We were going to crack down on them, but they didn't crack down on the Jan 6 guys, so it's cool.
4: Like, what? Yeah. This is getting. This that's, that's, that's not going to be the case. Nah. Although, you know what's really interesting? Like, I generally try to avoid amplifying horseshoe theory because I do think it is ultimately a reactionary, like, way to discredit the left at times, but the idea that like, you know, the far right and the far left like sort of meet in the middle in some ways, kind of like if politics were a horseshoe. However, something that I do find really interesting is the way that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gaetz and folks like that have been calling for justice for the J6 rioters that are being unfairly treated in prison. And like, look at these horrible conditions in prison. Where it's like, yo, we've been trying to tell you that for so long. Like, yes, comrade but, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, well, see, yes. That's that's
5: the thing. Is like, but that's the thing. Is like, it's all disingenuous and it's all on purpose and it's all. Deliberate. Oh no, I'm absolutely so, playing.
4: I'm playing, but it's just really. It's, oh no, I know. I know it's I know, just really I know you're funny playing, to see. I mean, yeah. There's,
5: there's mad people. There's mad people who don't. Who think that unironically. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Who like aren't playing or like and it's it's just it's totally weird. Like when when Marjorie Taylor Greene starts talking like she's fucking MLK about prison conditions and stuff like that in the context of January 6 people, she's doing that on purpose. You know what I mean? Like she's purposely co-opting like language like that about like oh prison conditions and the prison system like they're they're trolling you know what i'm saying like they're they're trying to be like wink wink funny like ha 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 we're using their stuff so you know i mean so i don't know I, i don't like for me i i don't necessarily know whether i'm in the mindset of a throw the hammer at them as an example to their friends or whatever but i mean when you when you you're essentially telling Motherfuckers that feel entitled to shit already that is good. Not only that's good, but like sit tight until y'all boys get back. Mm-hmm. That's not, it's like none of this stuff is good. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the usual good, like when you like watch the news and shit and you're like, oh, that, that's bad. I mean, like this shit, this is like bad. Like, like where, where this, this shit is heading is. It, it's January 6th was just a dry run. It was just practice. It was dress rehearsal. You know what I mean? And it's like in the year that has passed since, you know, laws have been changed to, to take away people's voting rights. Uh, things have been implemented to make it harder and more difficult for people to vote. So i don't know i i see them i see them making this play for their minority rule thing and you know i mean they're, they're not slowing down with it at all but Ooh. yeah yeah it's 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 pretty shitty stuff do you but, uh, let's i'm uh, sorry i was
4: gonna say do you recall like your thoughts or feelings that day january 6 2021
5: yeah i mean i remember it was uh it was daytime and shit and uh, I don't know if you were home.
4: I, I think I may have been. Where would I have been? It's a pandemic. <laughs>
5: oh, yeah. True, 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 true. Um, but yeah, no, I like for me, it was kind of like... It was kind of like, a, a, like the O.J. Simpson running away in the white Bronco. Or like even like uh, Christopher Goldsmith, he was saying like for him, it was... Like the similar feeling to 9-11, not like the gravity of the situation, not comparing them in that sense, but just comparing the like the weight of it. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember, you know, there's certain there's certain things that have happened in, in life throughout life where it's like it happens that day and you remember like that day. You remember where you were when you saw it going down, you know what I mean? Like you remember how like the room smelled. Like it's one of the it's one it was one of those situations for me where I'm watching it on TV and not knowing how it was gonna play out, me just completely thinking that the cops were just gonna start bucking people at some point mm-hmm. and expecting it, you know what I mean? So I was I was just like sitting there watching it like, Man, I'm gonna remember this for the rest of my life. You know yeah like, for
4: sure definitely definitely it felt very momentous it felt like a watershed moment because it was so unclear what was going to happen next like are they gonna start storming capitals all over the n- nation uh, da, yeah. da, 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 da. that was the day that was the day I got sworn into my second term and like I was like furiously texting the city manager like is it safe uh, and people like making fun of me like oh it's fine it's like yeah bitch, you ain't never got no lynching threats ma'am like of course you're not worried. I'm not trying to stand outside City Hall, get my brains blown out by a sniper on the parking deck, like just so much, so much uncertainty of what the larger implications were for it in that moment. Of like, yeah, where is this going? Yeah, Ooh,
5: yeah. and and, I, and it could have got bad. I mean, it could have got it. got so so bad. I think I uh, heard something about a report that came out that said that there actually was like a like you know damn near like special forces hostage rescue sort of like team on standby while all the shit was going down so the question was like oh how come they didn't go into action why were they implemented and it was like no no these dudes don't like these dudes go to clear a building and nobody's standing up when they're done you know what I'm saying so it was kind of they were on standby Pretty much waiting like if that door You know the door where um, Ashley Babbitt got shot yeah. But they're pretty much standing by like Waiting to see if that door was gonna get breached And if that shit had gotten breached pff, There would have been some like Operators just clearing out the ca- Clearing out the Capitol, and, and some of these gravy seal guys Would have ran into like the real deal shit that they, that they like to pretend to be You know what I mean And then that would have created a fuck ton of martyrs and then we'd be sitting you know it would be sitting in a completely different I'd argue even worse dynamic with the situation than we are right now but it's like if if the next election comes around and they make another play at this sort of thing and they do it in a more organized sense I mean it's like kind of like, like backing the rest of the country into a corner to where you either sit back and let them do it or you confront them on it
4: yeah yeah period
5: you know um Let's get into some of these uh, statistics and stuff like that from last year and the year before it. So in the U.S., the number of hate crimes targeting black people jumped nearly 40 percent and the number of hate crimes targeting Asian people jumped uh, rose by 70 percent in 2020. The actual number of reported incidents uh, targeting Asian people last year, it's relatively small with 274 crimes. Compared to the incidents targeting Black people, but still, it's a 70% increase nonetheless. In 2020, there were 2,755 reported incidents targeting Blacks, and Black Africans, uh, and people living in the U.S. Man. <sighs> Overall, in the United States, hate crimes rose by six percent, according to the FBI.
4: And what I really ha- like, I hate the I-, I mean, I hate violence in all its forms, um, except for like punching Nazis. However like i hate that the qu- the conversation around hate crimes de- devolved into like interracial like com- competition for like who should be prote- like who should be protected under the law just various things <laughs> various things like Black folks saying, like, oh, like, in the face of things like the the Atlanta spa shootings, like, well, you know, we didn't see y'all saying Black Lives Matter last summer. Why should we? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, no, we should band together. First of all, like, I don't think hate crimes laws are particularly the best way to deal with these situations. I'm always for, like, actual preventative measures, like de-radicalizing folks through education etc but like the fact that it turned into this pissing contest of like whose lives are in danger more like bruh why don't we all band together and get shit for all of us like everybody please chill (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah. i love all of y'all i love my asian brothers and sisters i love my black people you know my african immigrants all y'all we're all cool man let's all get it
5: and we're all we're all going through it together too so you know like it would behoove us to band together and strike the numbers and all that jazz. Um, the agency, uh, the FBI, considers criminal incidents to be hate crimes if they are motivated by bias towards race, ethnicity, ancestry, religion, sexual orientation, disability, gender, and gender identity. There were 7,759 criminal incidents reported and 10,532 related offenses that were considered hate crimes last year by the FBI.
6: Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're gonna love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out.
7: The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get people quit
6: listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iheart radio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts the therapy for
0: black girls podcast is an naacp and webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health personal development and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves here we have the conversations that help black women decipher how their past inform who they are today Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
1: My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal.
4: The majority of hate crimes, more than 53%, involved intimidation of victims, while nearly 46% were either simple or aggravated assaults. Uh, a total of 22 murders were reported as hate crimes, which is probably an undercount, um, given, like, the the weakness of our hate crimes reporting laws and mechanisms. But these statistics... Um,
5: Wait, it's just what you sorry. Just yeah, said. Sorry, yeah, that's what I just said. I
4: started going off, but then not even reading the thing. Um, there are more than eighteen thousand agencies in the United States, and more than three thousand did not submit their crime statistics in twenty twenty. <laughs>
5: so, what are your thoughts on that?
4: I am not surprised. Again, like I said, I think beefing up like our like I think beefing up our hate crimes reporting laws and. Infrastructure, let's say, is only as helpful as it allows us to identify underlying causes and eradicate them. So, like, Uh, Just like just knowing how many people, like I guess that's helpful to like know how many people can beat the fuck up and stuff. However, like what are we doing? What are we doing with this information? Other than just like honestly, kind of fear mongering, making people afraid to like take the subway or walk home alone at night. Which you know, if they should be afraid, then that's valid. But like, what are like other than that? What is being done with? this information are we are we using it to analyze what is radicalizing people into violent extremism and changing our school curricula to foster more appreciation of diversity and inclusivity no we're not fucking doing any sort of shit of like an actual I mean, quantitative I, to like measurable results pipeline at all well
5: i mean i i i, I, I don't know that i don't know that nobody's doing that but i mean you you've you definitely can use that information to, like, kind of check the... to kind of, like, take, like, a temperature. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not... To me, it's not... It seems like it makes, you know, like, logical one plus one equals two cents that... the pandemic happened and that stupid people are, like, harassing and attacking Asian people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like... Like, that, like... It gives you. It gives you. You can. You can use that to take the temperature. That it's like okay. There's this thing that's happening in the world in the news, and now violence is increasing against Asian
4: Americans. Yeah, so I you think can, use it, I you think can I use it. You can use it in that people sense. People doing that work. Yeah, I shouldn't say that no one is. Yeah. But I mean, it,
5: it, it's similar to how when they took, you know, it's like they took Trump off of Twitter. And quantifiably, they can tell. Oh, okay. There's not as much hate speech going on on Twitter. <laughs> like, like the the amount of the amount of hate speech that was generated on Twitter like dropped significantly over the year that like Trump yeah. hasn't been on there. Doesn't mean he's responsible for hate speech, but it just meant what is like cause and effect. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that the like hate crime numbers can be used in that sense, where it's like, man, you know, if you if you look in the last ten years, and then all of a sudden you know, like you get to year five and then the shit jumps up, you know, you got to kind of look at the factors that are going in and what's happening, what's causing those numbers to jump, even if it's not like scientific, just to give you somewhat of a sense.
4: No, that's absolutely valid. And I do imagine there's a lot of scholars studying that kind of thing. I imagine the folks at the Southern Poverty Law Center probably study that kind of thing. I've been on briefings with um, like Fair Fight where they have looked at uh, election misinformation and... Right-wing violent extremism targeting elected officials like they are keeping track of that stuff um, Within their organization for Georgia, and so I guess my question is to what degree are these things is this knowledge being taken up by Actual mm-hmm. governmental bodies like is the FBI Doing anything <laughs> are they too busy? Uh, well, how infiltrating would- and disrupting like black liberation movements?
5: <laughs> how would you use that information? Con uh- Councilwoman.
4: Um, I mean, okay, well, let's be clear. Local governments can only do so much. <laughs> I mean, if I were, if I were, like, Chairman Parker or whatever,
5: I'm like, gonna make sure there's no racism on this block.
4: <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, but governmentally, like, constri- considering restrictions on, you know, within the FCC, of what sort of stuff that folks can be posting or amplifying or, cens- or you know, somehow... Bringing the hammer down on uh, uh, corporations like Facebook that have significantly contributed to, uh, contributed to the amplification of right wing uh, violent extremism. You know they were shown to like be funneling people in QAnon and shit like that. What, what? Where are the consequences for that? Um, so I think efforts like that could be. I mean, like I'm effectively promoting censorship. But I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying to get people killed out here because somebody well, thinks that. i was just that- about to ask you
5: your thoughts on that so i mean like because we're about to get into this next group um because we're, we're we're gonna go down a little rundown to some of the groups that were active in it and and who's on the scene right now but what do you feel about that like in in a quell to to or in a in a effort to prevent uh right-wing propaganda from spreading like what are your thoughts on just the the argument of Speech and free speech and and how that's applied and censorship and deplatforming and you know I mean when when to do it when not to do it when to even talk about it or mention it is it fundamentally just from a principle standpoint a no go for so you so this gets or?
4: into like what could this data be used for like you were saying you look took it to a different level than I had thought about before and appreciate that so if we consistently see um, rises in hate crimes like correlated with certain sorts of like, um, let me think for a second with, okay. If we start to see a correlation between an increase in hate crimes and proliferation of certain kinds of rhetoric, um, hate, you know, hateful rhetoric against a certain group, like, oh, Trump in the news this week is talking about how Mexicans are rapists. Next week we saw like 22 aggravated assaults against people who looked uh, Hispanic. Or something like that Perhaps not as cut and dry But like Like when you aggregate data You can probably see Significant trends Of that sort That can then Inform policy to say Alright This is This is causing Violence This the, the, This sort of in, Like messaging Is causing violence So We're gonna crack down on it You can't say this shit Not cause we wanna Restrict your free speech But literally You are inciting violence Against people
5: it's, You're putting people's You're putting like, people's lives In risk. danger but,
4: with the things That you're saying Yeah
5: I mean if we just Go back To 2015, right? Dylan Roof kills all those black people in the ch- in the church. Writes a manifesto, more or less. I'm MAGA, right? Mm-hmm. Charlottesville happens. Heather Heyer gets killed. Everybody there is that's you literally called the Unite the Right rally. We're all MAGA, right? Um, homie in the Texas church. I think it was like 2017, maybe 2018. Dude walks in, body armor, sprays everybody up White dude, and it's a white church He ended up being MAGA Parkland shooting, that's a MAGA kid um, Fast forward to today, around this time um, Who's the kid that just, uh, I forget where that was Guy, there's so many of them But a kid went to his school And he, he shot, I think he hit like, a, like some f- a football player And a couple other kids It just happened just like a couple weeks ago But that kid's the one whose parents went on the run.
4: Mm-hmm. You remember him? Oh yeah, 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 I remember that kid. Yeah,
5: that was that was a that that was a MAGA inspired incident. And then taking us back to last week, Um where alt right philosopher went on a murderous rampage in Denver and killed five people.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Again, being cliched, but if. Those are just like five or six incidences that have happened in the last five and six years. And like, for real, if even one of those things was done by Al Qaeda, we would be invading a country right now. Not that I'm saying that's what we should be doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like, like that's not what I'm saying, but it's just like there is something alarming to me, the amount of malaise towards it. You know? It just it's just I just don't see it. Just like with the January sixth thing, I think that all of these incidences are just gonna keep being more frequent than they are right now because like everything is emboldening people and people aren't being held to account for these things. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not I'm not fucking with the cops and I'm not fucking with the police state. But I'm also not gonna be stupid and like let right wingers run game on me so that i don't protect myself (laughs) you know what i mean or so so i'm not looking out for my own best interests in the name of like some esoteric like (laughs) political like theory of like well i mean you know because like i wouldn't want the police state to it's like nah we don't want the police state to be used against people because we largely feel that it's it's used unjustly and unfairly in at the behest of the powerful.
4: Well, let me put it this way. But, but
5: like when people are actually acting in bad faith and like with insidious like plots trying to harm like everyone else, I'm I'm sorry. I just I can't be like let it slide because.
4: Let me put it this police. way. I don't think prison is a good place for these people. That I don't think putting them in prison is going to make. The, our community safer because, in prison, without access to your family or TV or Twitter or whatever, you're gonna join a white supremacist gang if you weren't in one already, or if you were in one already, you're gonna like get a swastika tattooed on your neck and lift, uh, you know, do squats or whatever in the yard with the Nazis and become more hardened and really hate the state more because they've imprisoned you. So when you get out, if you get out you're going to be worse than when you went in there. <laughs> now that I'm saying I people should be held argument. accountable, it's just I'm adding nuance to the like the debate. Like, well, there should be accountability. No. I don't want to let these thing slide. It's it's like, a, I don't a, want this shit slide either. I'm just worried about the the further radicalization of people as a result of incarceration.
5: No, it's a, it's a totally fair and good point. I would just argue that in this scenario... I think it's better <laughs> like I really do in this scenario I think it's better that these these guys these people be in situations yeah, to no, where they are I, getting yes, tattoos, will, swastikas yeah. tattooed on them and they are you know what I mean joining white supremacist gay, like like the, the the threat right now is not like like a street level insurgence of You know, like right-wing extremism. Although... That is a threat. Like that's the like as far as the, in the context of what I'm talking about, that's like the Dylan Roof type stuff, or it's like the sort of attacks that I've been like you know listing down. Like that street level, like oh we're gonna do something. I'm a lone wolf. I'm gonna do something. All that stuff is gonna increase. But like the more dangerous aspect, long term, like that shit is like immediately dangerous to the people who are caught up. You know what I'm saying? If if you have the misfortune of being at that location when that lone wolf does that thing, that sucks. But I just mean like a a broader more general danger is that if these guys aren't like being driven to like those margins where it's like oh man I'm in the Nazi gang you know what I mean or man I went to jail so I got the tattoo the swastika on my eye and shit like that <laughs> they 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 get to like they get to fucking slither into the you know what I mean undercover and and get their their thoughts not marginalized and adopt it. I mean, we had the Republican Party is, is wide open for this shit, and it's simply just a matter of which way they're gonna go in the next five, ten years. They've always had all of the. the they've always been with the shits, with the bullshit that they've been with. But like now, I think we we face the threat of if this like right wing extremist shit gets normalized even more than it already is, you're gonna have an entire political party just like outright adopt it. You know, because they haven't yet. For all of the, for, for as it, batshit insane as the Republicans are right now, they're led. You know, pretty much is still led by Trump world, and Trump world has no principles and no real belief system. You know what I'm saying? Well, w- there's no, there's no real that- ideology in Trump yes. world. But if they start adopting this, like, like we're, you know, we're gonna like talk a little bit briefly, or not even we've talked about Patriot Front before. They were the uh, group that marched in Washington a couple weeks ago, but like. For example, that shit's comprised of fucking 20-year-olds, yo. And 18-year-olds. And, <laughs> you know, like, in 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 10 years, if those guys aren't, or if those guys, is, like, don't face any consequences for their shit, none of them have to go to jail where it's like, oh, I'm going to get a swastika tattooed on my face. I'm just going to end up becoming a cop. Or a judge.
4: Perhaps. Perhaps
5: or a real estate agent Uh or a landlord these people
4: are already real estate agents and cops and landlords (laughs) like i don't we're not going to avoid that from happening that's what these people already are but i would say i don't have a clear answer for what accountability should look like for these people because perhaps they are too far gone i also know that when people are backed into a corner they bite you know um that's what we see with folks that are out here slaying meth and killing each other in my fucking neighborhood and that is equally true of People that feel marginalized for made-up reasons. But, big, okay, oh, I'm so oppressed because I'm a white real estate agent. Um, but, like, feel oppressed or marginalized ideologically. Um, that tends to, like, sometimes retrench the way people already feel. But, again, I don't have a clear answer for it. Other than, like, I think the reason why Republicans um, pursue austerity politics so hard is to keep alive these racial resentments and, uh, between like the white and black working classes. Like if we passed things like a federal job guarantee, you couldn't claim anymore that Mexicans are stealing your jobs. If we did things like free higher education and a lot of these you know, white folks that just come home from work at the auto shop every day and put on Fox News could like develop some critical thinking and maybe realize that like black people are the people. Etc. Like I think a lot of these things could, over the long term, help transform the situation that we're in, and that's the kind of thing I always advocate for. Like, I, there's no perfect system of accountability. I don't even know if a state is capable of a de- developing such. But like, the, ending this kind of violence is ultimately incumbent upon uh, the state to invest in communities in a way that, like, just keep people from becoming this mentally deranged. But anyway. Um, If you want to get into the interview, we
5: can. We're going to take a little break, y'all. And when we get back, uh, we're going to have that interview that I had with Christopher Goldsmith, Nazi hunter extraordinaire. And we're going to get his thoughts on January 6th and some of the stuff that we've been talking about so far. So we will be back with that after the jump.
6: Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. And I can't wait for you to check it out.
7: The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. To, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit.
6: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development
8: sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world.
1: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: All right, people, what is happening? We are back. All right, so we've got uh, now a friend of the podcast. Um, It's my homie. He's uh, CEO of uh, something called Spavarius, which he's going to explain to us. He's also an Iraq war vet and a Nazi hunter. I want y'all to... You know, I wish... I, I always say this whenever I introduce people, but, like, I wish that this was live so that I could get, like, a crowd response, you know what I mean, but... I wish everyone could make some noise for my homie Christopher Goldsmith. What's happening, Chris? How you doing? Hey, what's happening, brother? It's good to be uh, kind of back. Yeah, kind of back, kind of back. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when when I you know I just gave you an introduction like that, like with all with all of those things. What exactly like would you, how would you describe yourself? Like, what do you do? So, um, I. One of the one of the
8: uh, most eye opening classes that I ever took. You know, I, I joined the army when I was um, when I was eighteen. Uh, went to Iraq at nineteen. Was was out by twenty one in like some really rough shape.
5: Me, what year was that when you got out? I got out in two thousand
8: seven. Okay, and I didn't start school until twenty thirteen. So it, it took me that long to kind of like put myself back together. Yeah. Um and i took an economics 101 course and uh, it it was one of the most eye-opening courses in terms of like applying names and and like like actual um, theory to things that i kind of understood but like didn't have a name for uh, and one of those things is negative externalities so negative externalities is like when a coal-firing power plant Uh, is operating in your town and and smog is like you know just filling your house with with all sorts of terrible stuff that's a negative externality like you are paying the cost for that power plants operation right so modern day laws we tax them right or we fine them for for that kind of thing right now the the far right um you know everything from trump world on they're imposing negative externalities on all of us, all the time. I mean, January 6th was a traumatic event for so many of us. Um, As a New Yorker who experienced 9-11 from, you know, 20 miles away, lost... um, You know, I personally didn't lose anybody, but most of my friends and family um, lost someone who was a direct connection. January 6th felt like that to me, right? So all of these folks have been putting their negative externalities on us and we haven't had any way to impose any costs on them. So I created um, which is an organization that is focused on not just tracking and researching and reporting on the far right, but sabotaging them. So I will do things like join a neo-Nazi organization I'll document their internal comms and then I'll post them online so that people understand like if they've got a Nazi in their neighborhood and they want to take action uh, to make sure their community is safe. Like I'm helping
5: people do that. That's that's awesome. So how do you like on the right now it's Tuesday that we're talking. But when this episode's going to come out, it's going to be January 6th, the anniversary of January 6th. So in the time the year that's passed since then what have you noticed about the movement of like far right and extremist groups have has there been any sort of rallying around that event um obviously there have been a couple of attempts to try and do another one or you know that that haven't really gone gone so well for them but have you noticed any sort of ratcheting up um of their activity in the past year yeah so um
8: Depending on what time of day people are listening to this podcast, um, you know, my my uh, my guess could be wrong. But, you know, my analysis of what's set to happen on January 6th is a whole lot of nothing, uh, at least in terms of, you know, what happened a year prior. But much more significant is the fact that all of the extremists who are involved in January 6th, either they're committing violence against their fellow Americans, police officers protecting the citadel of democracy, uh, you know, using Blue Lives Matter flags to, to hit cops, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, or if they were financial supporters or uh, or just... You know fox news um uh audience who who are committed to the ideologies they've moved their operations instead of from being centralized and attacking the capital to harassing school boards and local election officials and you know this is we have entered a new phase in our in our history and we're experiencing an insurgency you know when I, um, when I speak about these, these terms, when I use the term Nazi, when I use the term fascist or insurgency or terrorism, I want to be clear, I'm not using hyperbole. Like I'm not one of those, uh, you know, talking heads who goes on TV every day and, and, you know, screams that the sky is falling. Yeah. When I talk about insurgency, I'm talking about the same stuff that I experienced when I was in Iraq, how they were armed groups who are forming in their local communities who, you know, put on their own branding saying, oh, we're here to protect the public. Uh, when in fact they were there to violate human rights of, uh, those who, who, you know, weren't part of their group, you know, power. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what's an insurgency An insurgency, um, is a an organized group who's willing to use violence not against not just against the government and representatives of government power, be it you know uh, elected representatives or those in uniform police or military, but they're also willing to use force, violence threats against the American public. And, and that's what we saw on January 6th.
5: So the thing that always frustrates me is like, you know, obviously, it's almost a cliche at this point to talk about the shift of the Overton window between now and, like, say, 30, 40 years ago. Um, but the thing that always gets to me is, like, what worries me is, like, the stochastic terrorism aspect of things and lone wolves and people just doing isolated acts and shit like that. But it's, like, I don't, I don't even think that we're... At a point where we're waiting for that sort of stuff to start happening more, but it's like every other mass shooter has some sort of links to being like a, a far right extremist or a Trumper or a fascist or want to be this. so it's like I don't understand how well I mean it, it, it's it, it's a rhetorical question, I guess I'm mm-hmm. asking, but it's like it frustrates me that this hasn't like successfully stuck in a mainstream sort of way, you know what I mean? Just for example, what was it, just last Monday, like, a literal alt writer went on a shooting spree in Denver. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody who has, like, a 800-page alt-right manifesto printed. Like, again, cliches, but if that yeah. was, like, a Black Lives Matter guy, or if that was a Nation of Islam guy, mm-hmm. it would be a much bigger deal than it is now. So how do people who... Like are concerned about these things. Like, is is there any sort of contribution that we can get because to make things like this stick in the national mind frame or in the media scape? Because I mean, for all the criticisms that we want to have of establishment media, and there's there's endless and infinite criticisms to go around. They can be useful in a case like this to you know what I mean to mm-hmm. for they can be useful for propaganda and we need (laughs) we need we successfully need propaganda against this sort of things and stuff like attaching the many crimes and like murders that they're already doing before it reaches like a you know insane level i don't understand how we're not able to make those stick yeah um yeah I, i i get that frustration um
8: and you know so what one of the things that motivated me into this is like, I've I've always wanted to serve my country. It's, it's I, I did in the military, didn't work out so well. Mm. Uh, since then, after a few years of a dark period in recovery, um, you know, I've been working for nonprofits, uh, veterans nonprofits, volunteering a lot of my time, and, and frankly, like, not making any money doing it. Um, one of the things that led me to become a researcher of any kind was i was working at vietnam veterans america and found a fake version of our facebook page which had twice as many followers and it was backed up by three independent uh websites all with different urls all branded with vietnam veterans america producing news and information uh, about veterans benefits like va home loans and healthcare and the latest on um, bills that would help veterans who, who were exposed to Agent Orange, like real true stuff. And then once in a while, they would include um, a, a piece of, of manipulated news. Um, the most ingenious thing, I I, uh, I was impressed once I figured out A, that this wasn't just like a rogue member of our organization trying to do a good thing and that it was malicious. Um, I found a Facebook Live video that had been um had been picked picked, they picked out a a a local news coverage uh, like a 58 second clip from rural massachusetts where an african-american vietnam veterans monument so a, a black vietnam vets monument was defaced now it wasn't like somebody took a, a, a chisel and hammer to it or spray paint. It looked like some kid rubbed some like red berries on it or something. But local news, it's a story. You know, anytime that there's like a a, a bad guy of any kind of conflict, that's what they want to cover, right? So yeah. this was a sto- a true story where black veterans of Vietnam, right? So those are three distinct in important populations, were targeted by an unknown actor. So what this foreign entity did was it took this 58-second video, somehow tricked Facebook's algorithm into believing that it was a live video, and looped it for four hours. And over the real Chiron that says, Black Vietnam Veterans Monument Defaced, they put this meme-style text that said, Do you think the criminals must suffer? And then encouraged people to... Uh, do the heart emoji for no or the angry emoji for yes. So they're taking advantage of Facebook's algorithm on so many levels because clicking like is one thing. Taking the extra time to click a heart or an angry emoji shows more of an investment and Facebook's algorithm uh, rewards that. So that entity ended up being run out of Bulgaria. The Facebook page was run out of Bulgaria. The, The websites were out of Russia, uh, and I spent the following two years investigating all of the far, uh, all of the ways that foreign actors target troops, veterans, and our families with um, online. So everything from disinformation to identity theft, and the common thread through all of it was uh, was pushing veterans to extremes, um, especially around issues of race, refugees, immigration, um, and they would they would use these stupid slogans like veterans before refugees uh, or uh, veterans versus immigrants uh, to divide Americans and this um, the years of research that I put into that first report uh, for Vietnam Veterans America today I I understand it, it got me where I am today. But I feel like years later, I, I wasted my time spending so much time looking outwardly because okay, their sorry. goal was to radicalize Americans. They they weren't solely responsible for the radicalization of America's, uh, Americans. But at this point, the threats coming from outside our country are not significant in in uh, in comparison to domestic threats. You know, the the cult of Trumpism, of QAnon, um, of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates—that that is far more dangerous than anything the Russians ever did to us.
5: So where do you think it's heading? Um, Wait, before, before we get into that, um, sure. because uh, one of the groups that we talk about on this episode is uh, Patriot Front, because mm-hmm. they were in the news with the march that they uh, did – Uh, recently um are there any other groups that you think should be on people's radar or could you tell us more about patriot front and what makes them in particular unique amongst the hate groups
8: so patriot front is uh is really the group that got me into uh going as far as i do in terms of like joining these hate groups and and sabotaging them um it it came about because of a, a buddy of mine who I served with in the army who uh, deployed in 2007 and as a sniper um, he went through some really tough stuff during the troop surge into Iraq came home he's now medically retired the guy is is brilliant um, he's you know built like a brick shit house <laughs> and he wants to serve his country but. Iraq broke him in ways that he will never be fixed. And he um, rather than, you know wallow in, in sadness not being able to do what he wants to do, he, he figured out another way to serve his country. He randomly joined a hate group, called me up and said, "Hey, Goldie, I want you to help me take down this neo-Nazi group that I just joined. Like there was that was the pitch. There was no previous discussion. I had no idea, (laughs) right? So (laughs) fast forward a year later, I get laid off due to the COVID problem. um, And I call him back up and I'm like, all right, buddy, tell me about your neo-Nazis. And that ended up being the Patriot Front. Um, It is the Gen Z's take on the KKK. You know, people who saw the photos and videos of, of their march in D.C. saw the, the white gator, the, like, neck things that they pull up over their face. That's just the modern-day clanhood. hood right? Like, you know, we laugh at them because they look goofy. They look like they're, you know, a bunch of Best Buy managers with the people with did that with the
5: clan too. Yeah.
8: And, like, well, the clan, you know, think about how goofy a bunch of people dressed like ghosts look. Yeah. Right? And... And that part of that is deliberate, right? So the uniform, um, you know, if, if, you're a, if you're a Marine in the United States Marine Corps, you have a great looking uniform and that uniform tells a lot of things about you. The, the, uh, the, the stripes on your shoulder tell, you, uh, tell people, you know, what rank you are. The ribbons on your chest tell people your resume, like what you've done, how much combat you've seen, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the goofy uh, Best Buy uh, uniforms that Patriot Front are wearing—they've they've got Velcro on stickers that show like the locations that they're from, the rank within the organization, all sorts of stuff that they understand, but we as outsiders don't necessarily recognize, right? So they have goofy uniforms, but they're signaling to one another their you know, uh allegiance to white supremacy and what they've done for uh for the cause of of advancing their racist um propaganda
5: campaigns. Well something I want you to uh, dig a little deeper on, just because, you know, um I think sometimes it's seducing to put racism and like hate and just all this stuff that we're generally talking about and put it in the box of yo, this is an old man sport. Like we're, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Hey, we're just a generation away. They're dying out and then it's all going to be kumbaya and flowers and stuff like that. So the the aspect of Patriot Front being a Gen Z sort of group and like a, a, a youth movement almost in a way. And even I noticed this online with, you know, the amount of young men who, follow who Steven Crowder and Jordan Peterson and so on and so forth. So like, could you, could you talk a little bit more about this, about it being like a Gen Z thing? Like how are they using their Gen Z-ness to like further this really old antiquated ideology? Yeah. So the same way
8: that, uh, that millennials and and older generations look at Gen Z and they're like, man, these kids grew up with the internet at their fingertips, they literally grew up with smartphones, with tablets, uh, with You know not not like uh 8-bit computer games right like complex uh mmorpgs like massive multiplayer online uh role-playing games right yeah they're the world that they grew up in uh threw so much information at them and we don't think about the hard skill sets that come from daily life of being a gen z or connected to the internet Gen Z grew up watching Kim Kardashian go from some unknown person who had a porn tape, uh, you know, mysteriously leak to being one of the richest and most powerful people on the planet. I mean, you know, she's not a politician, but you know, she can she can make a brand overnight, right? Like she gets people to, to, to act, she gets people to send their money, you know, whatever way to believe in causes. Well, so if you're a Gen Z kid and your dad's in the KKK and you're growing up with those two influences, you've got, you know, Kim Kardashian on your phone and you've got uh, Jim Bob, your, your racist dad, like, you know, influencing you and, and teaching you your so-called values, you're going to become a really effective propagandist. You know, these kids have, have, you know, basically got a bachelor's degree in marketing and communications just growing up as gen z like they understand what makes an engaging photo video like that whole the patriot fronts march thing like we were all laughing at them but people who are susceptible to the the like whole wanting to fight for the white race because you're a racist piece of shit thing like they love that stuff yeah
5: so back to the question that i cut you off um where do you think this is all heading uh because I mean just to give you know i don't think that i don't think like a literal civil war is looming like that sounds some like something in a movie or a script or something like that um and i don't even really think that they mean civil war when they talk about civil war like i don't think any of these guys are daydreaming about like urban warfare with SWAT teams and like a warehouse matrix gun battle with like Navy SEALs and stuff like I think they're talking about, hey, let's go into a gay youth center and shoot it up. You know, what I mean, hey, let's, let's go into a black church and kill everyone. Like, I, so like, where do you think it's heading?
8: Um, so if, if, you know, Patriot Front is able to operate completely unopposed, uh, the Republican Party is going to adopt straight up like real explicit white supremacy as their party platform you know and and like yes the republican party engages in a whole lot of that stuff but most of it's masked and veiled not every member of of the gop in congress is as much of a piece of shit as like the guy paul gosar in arizona who hangs out with nick fuentes and goes to neo-nazi conventions um but we're you know if people don't start actively opposing these folks and bringing it back to what we talked about before imposing negative externalities or, or finding them or penalizing them for the negative externalities that they're bringing to the rest of society uh, that's that's the direction we're moving in it's it's a the coup attempt that we saw on January 6th didn't stop on January 6th. You know, we are seeing the rewriting of laws that are disenfranchising entire populations of voters, um, you know, that are making it so that we're going to live under the tyranny of the minority. And and that's not like an if thing. You know, there is a very small chance that Democrats hold the House in 2022 when uh, mccarthy becomes speaker of the house and guys like paul gosar are, are chairing committees they're going to be shaping laws running investigations harassing um federal agencies to the point that they can no longer protect the people of the united states from violent domestic extremists
5: so if some anybody wants to help you and others in the fight against this shit. Where can they go? What can they do?
8: So Sparvarius is partnering uh, with Human Rights First. It's, it's a, a big nonprofit organization. Um, they are primarily um, concerned with the settlement of refugees, with helping uh, vulnerable populations, immigrations, and, and protecting human rights at home and abroad. They created two programs. One is called Veterans for American Ideals, uh, which was specifically made to help Iraq and Afghanistan interpreters and, and allies uh, come into the United States to push for legislation, to push for administrative action, to to help them get welcomed into the United States. Uh, and two is the Innovation Lab. So the Innovation Lab at Human Rights First is developing technology that is um, that is meant to protect human rights. So that means um, we're, we've, we've got a program where it can analyze hundreds of hours of YouTube videos, and it can um, help us without having to have a human being watch all of those, you know, shitty videos. Help us understand how YouTube videos are being used to radicalize American youth, or you know, other targeted populations. Uh, we've got, uh, software that analyzes videos, uh, that's meant to de- detect state sponsored violence. So things like what we saw on, uh, in Lafayette square when, uh, Trump ran across the street after having cops clear crowds that were, you know, vast majority of completely peaceful with no warning, all of those videos, uh, we're putting into an, an AI, uh, an artificial intelligence program that is helping us learn how to detect police violence so that we can use that not just here stateside but you know overseas as well. So this the cool thing about what we're doing at, at Human Rights First in the Innovation Lab is we're making it so that the programs that we're developed will never be used by the government. They'll never be used by a foreign government. They'll never be used by any actor uh, who could use it to hurt vulnerable populations or to uh, erode democracy. You know, we're going to make sure that it stays in the hands of journalists, um, human rights activists, uh, researchers, and, and that type of thing. So if, if people want to support us, you, know, you can check out, go to my website, sparvarius.co, You can search for me on, on Twitter or online, Christopher, uh, Chris with a K, Goldsmith. I'm pretty easy to find because my name is spelled weird um, and go to human rights first and and poke around the website, check out veterans for American ideals, check out the innovation lab, you know, make a donation if, if you want to support the work directly. Um, and we're also at Sparverius going to be um, training veterans to engage in the work that I do of, of studying and exposing and disrupting extremist organizations.
5: That's what's up, yo. Yeah. Hey Christopher, man, thank you for talking with us. Thanks a lot, brother. All right. Be easy. I'll holler at you down the down the jump, all right? All right, brother. Be good.
6: Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station
0: And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
1: My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: All right, and that was Christopher Goldsmith, ladies and gentlemen. So, as you guys can hear, he's out there actually doing the work and putting himself in harm's way to combat some of this stuff. Um, just generally, you know, like, as we wrap this up, um, like, what it just overall, where do you think this whole thing is heading? And by whole thing, I just mean because it's like we're in the midst of something new. You know, like uh, as Christopher was saying with the Patriot Front group, it's like these, these these kids essentially have grown up in the era of like media and mass communications and all of them technically have Marketing and communications degrees, <laughs> just by growing up. You know what I'm saying. So all of them are expert propagandists and stuff like that. And with everything ratcheting up, where do you where do you see it headed? Where do you think we are if we were if we were to have a discussion about right wing extremism in the next like th- three years from now? Where do you, what do you think we're talking about?
4: I think even the shorter term than that, like thinking about the next six months, we have a very short window in which um, Democrats can enact bold, transformative policies that sub- substantively invest in communities as a way to both animate the electorate to come out and support them to keep the fascists out of power. And, as I was saying earlier in the show, those to have those investments also pay dividends for the people, for the, like, the white folks, the real estate agents, whoever, who feel disenfranchised or, like, ideologically mar- marginalized right now, for them, for, for, for that sort of investment, to see that kind of good and feel that kind of good, you know, those tangible benefits in their lives, to cool down the currently very heated uh, political climate and the ways that it gives rise to violent extremism. Like, we got, honestly, you're talking about, like, whoa, three years from now, like, we got six months to, like, really, really lock this shit down Start yeah. putting like you know material needs of working people over civility and protocol. <clears throat> Fire the parliamentarian, and like and like and like try to, try our best to buy ourselves more time through having a continued uh, democratic control over that the the three houses of government. That's what I see. I don't know what's gonna happen after I- that if we fail. I don't even know if that's gonna completely solve the issue, but let's at least like I let's put a band-aid on this for now by at least yeah. delivering for the American people, trying to maybe keep the House and the presidency in 2024, and like just stave off the utter collapse for like a little bit longer.
5: I guess I would I would just say is like I think we should all be easy on given a lot of these cats the benefit of the doubt and shit or at least i don't know at least for me i'm at a point in life where i think that the stakes are so high that i'm just not willing to put my life at risk by betting on on some of these basic basic human commonalities and stuff like that like i don't think that there's any right wingers out there if there's a right winger out there that you can convince that medicare for all is a good idea they're not including me in that assessment you know what I'm saying if if like 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 whatever economic anxiety that these cats are feeling they're not like they're like I don't think that like I think you can find a mutual ground with them only to a certain extent because there's like a whole like subsect of the population that they're not considering or factoring to any of that good shit so like like I don't know how real that alliances because i don't give them the benefit of the doubt and i think that for the most part they're lying <laughs> you know what i mean so i don't i don't know i don't really think i believe that any of this shit is comprised of economic anxiety or all oh, the liberal elites fly over us and look down and you know what i mean like i think a lot of that shit is lip service and it's the lies that people tell themselves to justify in public the things that they want to do You know, that's just me. That's just me. So I would just say that we should just proceed with caution because, like, fascists are very aware of what they're doing and they're very aware of how to use rhetoric and how to, like, deceive. It's like it kind of goes in the bag with being a fascist is, like, deception and shit like that. So we shouldn't let our good nature help these fucks take over this shit, you know what I mean, and get their messages out. That's just, that's just my two cents. I'm going to go smoke L. With that. I think Joel's going to bust a beat. Bitch. Oh. Dope. Yeah. Waiting on reparations. Yo, yo, I think these kids need a therapist. Embarrass this Nazi with the help of various They talking all that bullshit, not noticing how weird it is. Then they lose their job and they cry. Shit's hilarious. Couple years ago, they said the Jews would not replace it. Then they met the consequences. We was bruising guys and faces, so they had to switch their name up. Patriots to stay front. Little teenagers had to run into the same truck like that. If Trump win again, they'll be right back. Replace the police uniform with khakis and a white mask. So if you wanna be a blogger, then it's fine. But I'm punching Hitler like I'm Steve Rogers' prime, motherfucker <laughs> Hey! That was a really hey. good one My name's Dope Knife
4: I'm Lingo Franca
5: And we are waiting on reparations We didn't even tell you motherfuckers Happy New Year, yo Happy
4: New Happy Year, New Year.
5: 2022.
4: Stay safe out there. I really honestly hate telling people to stay safe when the fucking federal government (laughs) has this. But do your best. You know, try your best out A for effort, kids.
8: Here's a participation trophy
4: for trying to dodge the Rona. (laughs) So we will see you all next week. See you next week,
5: y'all. I'm Dope Knife. Waiting on reparations. Y'all take it easy.
4: Waiting on the fifth uh, Matrix movie that's better. Winning on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
1: I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire.
2: If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme.
1: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.